Hey everyone, thank you for dialing into the show today. It's Randy Holsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. My guest today is as far away from me as I will probably ever have on the show again. She is an actress, model, dancer, and a musician with one of the most angelic voices I've stumbled across since starting the show. She is coming to us all the way from New Zealand today, and we will jump into a much-anticipated conversation with Christchurch-owned Lauren Marshall when we return. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the show from, I guess, over 7,000 miles away. <laughs> Hi. Yes, How are you? I, I am very far away. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Well, are you far away or is it me that's far away? I, d- I don't know. Maybe both of us are far away. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to say me just because there's more ocean yeah. between, you know. Sure. I'm at the complete bottom of the world. I'm not close <laughs> to anyone. Well, I was going to look at a globe and see exactly in relation to the, to the U S like, are you literally on the other side of the world or are you, so I'll have to, I'll look at that later. But anyway, I have to first ask, do I have a funny accent? Uh, it's not too funny. Like, I mean, I've been around with a lot of Americans and you've got one of the more mellow ones, I would say. Okay. I think maybe even in the uh, in the states, you know, if you say, "Wow, you're going to talk to somebody from New Zealand," they, I guess, in their mind, if they don't know, it's hard to wrap your head around what kind of accent will that sound like. It, it's so it's it's interesting that the the English is very clear and very proper, almost like an English accent from the UK. Ah, okay, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, we get kind of a mixed response with our our accent because. Uh, to me, it sounds very muffled and lazy, like a muffled version of a UK accent. But yeah, I like hearing what other people have to say about it. Yeah. I don't know whether it's good or bad or... Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, It'll sound great. So it's nice to finally get a chance to sit down with you. I know that we've had quite a bit of correspondence through social media and uh, messaging over the last two or three weeks. But for the listeners, we're doing this interview. It's seven o'clock Central Standard Time Monday. And where Lauren is, it's two o'clock, right? Lauren, two o'clock-ish Tuesday. So you're 19 hours ahead. It's quite the time difference. And it threw me off a little bit um, when we were conversing through text. I was thinking originally that I think it was 17 hours. So I had told you midday or 12 o'clock. So I had my times completely wrong then. But anyway, we had that conversation before we started recording and, and we, we both agreed that there can usually be a mix up when there's that much gap in the time zone, like here, you know, if you're an hour ahead or an hour behind, that's easy to calculate in the brain. But when you get too far, like 19 hours, you have to sit and think about that for a little bit. Mm. And I tell you what, like you're not completely wrong because when we first talked about it and we first made the 
you know, the day we were actually in a, we were in like winter time, like time zone. And what happens with us here in New Zealand, when we go into the summer time zone, we go forward two hours. Oh, okay. um, so there is actually like a gap that, yeah, that makes quite a big difference. So in that respect, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, now we're in daylight savings time. So that is two hours, another two hours difference. So Interesting. And I didn't think about that. And of course, I wouldn't have, I would have never known that uh, had you not told me. So you're in summer right now then, right? Yeah. So we're coming into summer. Yeah. Our summer season is like November to kind of November to January, but it ends up being like February, March. We have very late summers here, but yes, it is very sunny now. We're getting the sunshine and getting the, the warmth, which is very exciting. I love, I love that. When you talk about warmth, give the American listener here what warmth is considered in in New Zealand. I mean, are you in the triple digits? Does it get that hot there? Or talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So New Zealand, we don't really have humidity. So if, if it's hot here, it's quite dry. So I would compare it to kind of California sort okay. of heat. It's not, it doesn't get ridiculous like I mean we might have sort of 30 30 something degree days which I guess is sort of around 100 yeah and yours but nothing too crazy and we really do just get a mixed bag like even in the summertime you sort still have cold days and you'll still have rainy days interesting so yeah well, it gets, kind of what we like here. well, I'm in Houston, Texas, and it gets pretty brutal here in the summer times. And in the August time frame, the humidity is through the roof and it's close to 100 degrees, some days even hitting 100 degrees. So you can you can only imagine like it can get, I guess, pretty tropical, <laughs> pretty nasty. But uh, <laughs> but then, you know, this time of year is really nice, uh, 70 degree days and sunny. So um, we're in a good time of year. I'm pretty sure that I stumbled across you on Instagram and it was probably by way of one of the videos. And I don't know if you've ever given it much thought, but I, I always wondered, like, what would it have been like when when we were kids had we had these types of mediums to get our music out, you know, with the Internet and, and social media? Have you ever thought about that? Like. You know, the popularity of people now versus what it was 30 years ago when there was no such thing as the Internet or people weren't on the Internet like we know it today. Mm. I've definitely thought about that because, you know, I'm a I'm a 90s kid and I'm very fortunate that, you know, I did have some time before we had, you know, smartphones and social media. And and I actually really liked it back then. And thinking about the music industry and. I mean, coming from New Zealand where we didn't really have access to like all the music that's out there and we didn't have the internet. So I, I kind of think, I have no idea how as as a New Zealander, I would have really had any sort of outreach or any sort of connection unless I went overseas or went over and made connections. Like social media is just incredible. It and is. I, my mind is blown. The people that I connect with, and they are literally other side of the world, like you, like yourself. Yes. 
I have no idea how I would do it. I well, just, you, well, you know, Lauren, it's, it, yeah. And it's interesting because for so long as a kid, uh, and of course I'm older than you are, but as a kid, you know, we, we grew up on this music and you didn't see videos of these bands and half the time you didn't even know what the band looked like. You know what I'm saying? Like you knew the music, you sang the songs and you loved it, but you never got to see the band because video was almost outlawed at concerts back in the day, you know, on the ticket stubs, it would say no recording devices, no, no photography. Like they, they wouldn't allow that in a, in a concert back in the, in the seventies and eighties. And now if you don't, if you're not video and, or you're not taking pictures at a concert, then you're the weird one. So it's interesting how, things have come full circle and it's, it's a different state of mind and the talent on the internet, on YouTube, you look at the kids out there that are five, six years old that are just seasoned beyond their years on the guitar or the piano or, or kicking a soccer ball. It doesn't even have to be music. It's just unbelievable. And we get to, we get to partake in all of this talent, you know, it's, it's just amazing. It is. I, you know, I stumble across some, especially kids, some so talented kids. There was a, a little boy that I came across randomly who he produces music, he plays the guitar, he plays piano, uh, and he is literally like five years old or something. Wow. And I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was like, this is this the new generation of talent? Like, yes. just light years ahead, you know, it's yes. unbelievable. Well, the powerful thing is if you think about just mine and your connection and like 20 years ago, I would have not known you from a hole in the ground, right? Like I've never would have heard your music unless, unless of course you, you know, signed a major record deal and your records were in, you know, every record store in the world, right? Then you hear mm-hmm. of people like you and I, but it, it's just so cool that that now, you know, there'll be an audience of people that get exposed to Lauren Marshall and your talents and the new stuff that you have coming up. So I think that's a uh, that's pretty amazing. Take yeah. us back a little bit to Lauren Marshall growing up in New Zealand. What kept you busy like as a as a young teenager, maybe and you know, what were you into? Were you a sports kid? Were you always a music kid? Were you into, you tell your story, like from the teenage years. Yeah. Well, to tell you the truth, I was definitely that kid that liked a lot of things. I definitely played sports. Sports was something I absolutely loved. And I ended up having to kind of choose music and performing arts over sport. But I've always been musical I've always been interested in performing arts in every sense and I always knew that was what I wanted to do with my life even though I was from a very small town in New Zealand um, where nobody did what I wanted to do so I guess there was a lot of like ups and downs of being like wow am I even ever going to do this is is this actually going to be a reality for me and I kind of just you know got through high school did all my, you know, school productions and singing groups and just whatever I could get into just to keep performing until I could actually leave home and, 
move somewhere else. And luckily I got into a performing arts school after I finished high school. And that just kind of solidified like, yes, I can do this. It is possible. But yeah, as a teen, I was sort of going between, man, I need to just like get through school and, and get out of this town. And also just trying to, you know, like have a normal teen experience and try new things and learn and grow and, and that. But yeah, I think I only really kind of came into myself once I left home and moved cities and bless my parents, love them to bits. But yeah, I, I definitely had to leave home to do that. Okay. To feel that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're multi-talented to say the least, but share with the listeners, like, what were you into first? Because, you know, I think you danced as a kid, you were into music, but what, what kind of came first for Lauren? Definitely singing. I don't remember a time where I wasn't singing in some way. It was quite funny because... I think one of my earliest memories was me as like a toddler in the bath with my my grandmother and we would sing church hymns in the bath, which is really cute, really sweet and such a dear memory for me. And then I sort of, you know, was like, I want to keep singing. This is fun. I love this and would sing in church and found myself singing my first you know, solo in primary school when I was like five years old in front of the school. And that was huge. And from then on, it was just like, I had, you know, it was just like the most natural thing to me. And so as I've kind of followed my singing journey, you know, you you end up doing a bit of dance, you end up doing some acting, you know, picked up a guitar. My mum was playing guitar for basically the duration of my childhood. My dad plays drums. So there's always music and I just kind of, it's like, oh, I'd like to try that. I'd like to try that. And just, yeah, just kind Absolutely. of pick things up and yep. put them down sometimes and then pick them up again. Yep. Yeah, but all through singing, all through um, through music. Would you say that your grandmother w- was maybe the inspiration for singing or do you think that the inspiration from singing came from somewhere else? I mean, the encouragement was definitely through my my grandmother like she very much nurtured that and loved to love to get involved with things like that but the inspiration to tell you the truth I feel like it was maybe outside of myself because it felt like it wasn't a choice it wasn't something that I was like I could do this or I couldn't it was like I this is part of me part of my identity and so I just always did it it wasn't even yep. a question. I never really went, oh, I don't want to sing anymore. Or do I want to sing anymore? It was like, this is part of who I am. Sure. Yeah. Well, you came from a very musical family, it sounds like. And a lot of the musicians that I that I get a chance to talk to, they didn't have that that background. Like their parents were not musicians. Uh, they spent no time in, in, in school, like in band or choir where they got a good, let's call it a theory background, a little, a little more educated on music than just playing by ear. But it sounds like you had that kind of coming up. You had people that, I mean, music was going on in your house is what I was saying. It, it, it wasn't just you making the noise, but there was other people making the noise in the house too. Correct. Yeah, that's that's very true. And it was like a safe space to to make make noise and 
yeah, it wasn't something that was like discouraged or just completely not there. So that was helpful. And I think, yeah, I mean, I guess everyone has a different journey and there are people that I know, musicians and whatnot, that didn't pick up music really until sort of later in life and they just kind of fell into it um, and ended up being amazing. So yeah, it's everyone's different. Yep. But as long as you sort of get there, that's kind of the the main thing. That's as right. Long as you find it. Right. Yeah. Doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> or how long really. it took you to get there. <laughs> so just to go a little technical here on the singing, I think you're considered a mezzo, right? Soprano? Correct? I yeah, I I guess I prefer to sing in that range. Okay. That's where I I like to have some lower resonant stuff as well as some, you know, some high stuff. I definitely feel like I could fake my way as a soprano, maybe not, definitely not a classical soprano. Right. But yeah, mezzo, I would definitely. Well, uh, well, I think there's two, I think in, and you can, you probably know more about this than I do, but I think I'm trying to remember back from my, even my choir days in school, I think there was a a mezzo, and then there was what they called a contralto, which is the higher soprano voice. And I think a lot of people think that it's alto and soprano and choir. There, mm-hmm. I, I think alto is more of a choral part and not a voice. But if alto was a voice, you would be more of an alto voice than a soprano because yours is a little on the lower end of the register, right? Yeah, yeah. I I like to sing in that resonant place and just kind of, yeah, pop some high ones here and there, belt stuff as opposed to, yeah, living in sure. the head voice. Yes. So, yeah, I think yeah. that'd be accurate. Well, there was certainly some famous mezzos that, that sang in your range. I think uh, I'm trying to think of a few Karen Carpenter was one that was mm-hmm. uh, I think Patsy Klein and Katie Lang maybe even Lori Morgan uh, fabulous country artist they were in that that range so you're in good company there yeah oh my gosh and you say you know Patsy Klein and, and definitely Karen Carpenter incredible resonant gorgeous voices that just I think to me, sometimes that's more impressive Yes, when you can live down there with so much richness. Yes. Um, I definitely appreciate some beautiful high voices and all the articulation you can do up there, but definitely since I've gotten older and my voice has gained a bit of depth, I can, I can appreciate that more. I've always said in, in all seriousness, I've always said that Karen Carpenter probably has one of the most angelic voices ever like i've always mm-hmm. it's kind of weird coming from a guy like wait you listen to the carpenters like i grew up on the carpenters like my mom was a huge carpenters fan and who sings them better than karen you know what what a mm-hmm. what a what a great voice and certainly missed now over the years you've been in a lot of musicals uh, share with the listeners some of, uh, you know, maybe some of the productions that you've been a part of over the years that are, that come to your mind as some of the cooler ones that you've done. Mm. Uh, yes. So musical theater was a massive part of my life and definitely a huge influence on, 
on me as an artist now, but I've done some quite a few. I've done um, Greece, which was obviously tons of fun. We love Greece. It's kind of a, you know, standard musical that everyone does. I've done things, you know, older things, sort of like the Music Man, and I've done like Sound of Music, like the classics. Um, gosh, let me, I mean, I can't even think of all of them. I've done like Beauty and the Beast. Uh, okay. Just honestly a wide variety. But every one of them I've definitely like taken something amazing from. And it's kind of been something that I've wanted to keep doing. I haven't actually done a, a musical in a while and it's on my list. We're actually about to do, well, early next year here, um, is it early next year? Sometime next year here in Christchurch. Um, our local professional theatre company is looking at doing Beautiful, the Carol King musical. And I've got my eyes set on that one because <laughs> I love Carol King as well. So we'll see. But apart from, you know, musical theatre, I've, I've done a lot of sort of concerts and tribute shows, spent a lot of time on cruise ships. I spent about five years on cruise ships doing their production shows, which were certainly a mix of musical theatre and, and pop music as well. So it's all so much fun. Like I love pop music, but also musical theatre has, has that other element of storytelling and and I love that. And yeah. I love living within a story. I love living as a character. Right. Um, which is what kind of made me want to do musical theater. So I could sing and I could also really live as someone else. I've watched a lot of your stuff and you've, you've definitely had some alter egos um, over, over time, right? A lot of costumes and, and things like that, which it sounds like you really love that. So that's really cool. But this company that you're talking about for the role, would you have to audition? Is that something that you would have to audition for? Yeah, definitely. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, like anything else really in the theatre world or actually in anything in the performing arts, it's it's an audition-based thing. So there's never any guarantees, but it's always amazing to get a chance to to have a go and see what people think. I agree. Um, how you would fit. I agree. So I, yeah, I've and learned to, to enjoy auditions. Yeah. Which is saying something because they're not always fun. But. Well, I can see, you know, it's, they're probably a lot, I mean, well, they're exactly the same as going to a job interview. Right. And, and I think so many people are just like, they're a deer in the headlights when they go into these things. They're so nervous. They're so wound up. And I think if you talk to anybody that knows me, like, an interview me. I mean, that's just time that I get to go in and talk about how great I am. <laughs> right? So, so, I mean, I, who, who better to do that than me to talk about the things that I do well. And so that's the, and I say that tongue in cheek, of course, but I've just never had a problem with, with interviews or, or auditions, so to speak. They, they, they don't stress me. They don't worry me. I just go do what I do. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, you go on to the next thing. Totally. It is and life. that's exactly the attitude because if you are so worried about, oh, I need to get this or like, uh, you know, then that's going to completely just ruin it for you. And yes. it is just about bringing what you do best and then going, cool, I'm just going to leave it. Absolutely. Because then you're over analyzing it maybe. And then it's just a different, you're not, you're not being you. You're, you're trying to be something else and not you. And anyway, in these productions though, I know 
that you've been featured from a vocalist perspective, but was there also acting involved in these or some of them? Was it a mixture of acting and singing or has it always just been singing? Because I think some of the videos that I've seen were primarily uh, you doing vocal. So I didn't know if you, you took on lead roles and these things as well that, that had talking parts versus singing parts. Yeah. So mainly what I did on ships was basically being a featured vocalist where depending on your contract, depending on the shows, you sort of have different things that you do. Um, I wasn't really part of, I guess, any like musicals as such on ships, though they do have them um, on some cruise lines. But there really was, it was mainly the tracks that I usually had. So the, the roles that I had were mainly just like the, I guess the over the top vocals, you had sort of the massive songs, the very like dramatic um, moments. There was definitely acting, I would say more, you know, non-speaking, but there was definitely times when you had to embody a character and there was definitely a lot of dancing involved as well. So a lot of movement based things, but as far as the, the vocals that I had to do, there was a lot of different types so really, I think the focus really was for us on nailing vocals of every style, being able to smash out musical theatre, being able to sing a, you know, a Whitney Houston or a huge pop song, but also being able to, you know, sing all your harmonies and do a lot of random rhythmic stuff. There's sure. a lot of world music as well in some of the shows that we did and some opera at times as well. So you really just had to know how to get your voice to translate across lots of different things and then everything else kind of came with it as part of the production that makes sense now i know that you were into um you know the tap and the jazz and the ballet at at some point in time has the dancing lent itself to any of these musicals or or has the dancing been a very minimal part of the musicals that you've been in I would say it's been more of a compliment to the acting and singing in the musicals. I haven't really been a part of a dance musical as such. Okay. I don't, I wouldn't consider myself at that level okay. um, where I could say, cool, I'm like equally as good at all three things okay. that I could justify being a dancer. However, just being like I've always considered myself a very good mover and very a very natural mover in whatever style um free yeah just whatever anyone can throw at me and I can you know I've always aimed to be good in auditions so that I can get through a dance call gotcha um and sort of you know fake some pirouettes and whatever they need (laughs) kick my my head but um right but yeah I wouldn't consider myself like a dancer, dancer. It's not, it never really grabbed me as much as everything else. Yes. So, but it's definitely always been a part of, of my musical theater. Well, it doesn't hurt to have that. What do they call it? Uh, that arrow in the quiver, right? Like that, that it's another tool that you can use if you need to, if you need to pull out that tool. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. you, now you studied, you, you mentioned something earlier about studying musical theater. Here we would say in college, but you would call it at university, right? Yeah. 
what would you be studying if somebody went to university and we're studying musical theater, like what, what is some of the stuff that they would be learning or what were, what would some of the classes be that they would be taking in musical theater? Mm. So definitely vocal lessons, vocal tuition, vocal coaching. You usually have like one-on-one, one-on-one coaching throughout the three years. So the, the degree that we have here is three years. Um, you'd also be doing acting training. So usually like Stanislavski or like method acting or some sort of um, acting and voice, uh, like actors voice coaching. We also would have tap jazz ballet classes every week, which was really cool for, for technique, especially because you want to be able to, I mean, keep looking like you can be a dancer, even if you're not. We did some theory, like music theory, theater studies. So the origins of theatre, the origins of certain genres of music that contribute to musical theatre. And we'd have sort of like group, I guess, company choir sessions. We'd do our musicals at the end of the year and our plays. Yeah, it was mostly practical stuff, sure. but it was a lot of fun and it was it kind of covered all your bases. I guess the only thing that we didn't really have in our degree was industry training as far as getting an agent going overseas the business side of things which was um, I think is now a bigger part but I had to figure out a lot of that on my own and just through trial and error and and stuff which was a bit tough but yeah that's sort of what everything can't really do it without that knowledge you know there are certain things that you can't learn in a classroom right you have to live life and (laughs) you just have to live and you you learn these things as as you go and you had mentioned about being a performer on a cruise ship a couple of years ago I was on a cruise and I met a featured performer on on Royal Caribbean I think that's the cruise line that you were on is that is that correct or were you on a different one Yes, yes. I worked for Royal Caribbean and Celebrity Cruises. Okay. So, sort of the same thing. Gotcha. Yeah. And so the, the, the guy's name was Travis Clower, and he actually played, I think he played Frankie Valley in the hit Vegas production called Jersey Boys. And this, this was like the number one production forever. Travis was, you know, a, a great singer and, uh, and you know, kind of you like Travis were featured you know you were a featured entertainer on the cruise lines but share share that experience with the listeners and maybe what a day in the life is like on a on a cruise ship like because i think that that we see the you know the 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 cruisers see the glamorous side of mm. you know lauren the entertainer or travis the entertainer and it, you know it, it's wonderful but talk to us a little bit about the day in the life like what are your living arrangements like and things like kind of behind the scenes like but you could keep it concise if you like you don't have to go into the gory detail but i think a lot of people would be interested to hear like what the life of a performer is like on a cruise ship yeah, so I guess you're right. Like it does probably seem one way to the guests and another way to us who's living it. But um, yeah, we usually have our you know our own cabin, which is you know we're very lucky. Usually, as especially as vocalists or featured vocalists, we get you know sort of a guest size cabin down 
somewhere in the bottom of the ship. And that's sort of where we base ourselves. But as far as um, my journey, I was part of a cast for the most part where we would go and rehearse for a couple of months before we joined the ship, um, which was normally in Miami. We spent quite a bit of time there. And then join the ship, you'd sort of have an installation process where you took, you know, a week or two to get rehearse on board, get the shows ready and then open them. And then after that, it was sort of, uh, you would do maybe like two or three different, different shows. And you'd usually have like a technical rehearsal the day of your show day, which was sometime in the morning or mid morning. You can go off and do whatever you want to do in the daytime, whether it's, get off the ship in port if you're in port or go to the gym or sunbathe or sleep, whatever you like. Um, And then you do your two shows in the evening. And it sort of just ran like that basically throughout your contract. We were lucky we did have quite a few days off where we could just go off and explore in port if we were somewhere exciting. But for the most part, it was everything's kind of centered around um, your shows. Um, We also had, some safety duties as well as you know being a crew member on a ship you do have to um, do that but yeah it was sort of like a just a bit of a cycle that went round and round for you know eight or nine months and it was amazing you got to see incredible places like for me from New Zealand I would never think I'd get to go to Alaska or Antarctica or you know South America um so yeah, that's sort of it. You just, you do your shows, you do your rehearsals you need to do. And around that, you kind of can do whatever you want to really within reason. Um. Now, did you, did you have to, I don't know what the proper terminology in the cruise industry is, but you know, for example, if I'm a guest on the ship, let's say it leaves wherever Miami on Saturday and it comes back on Thursday. Do you board at the same time as a featured entertainer? Because I know I talked to one of the musicians that happened to be eating in Cancun at a restaurant sitting at the table next to me. And we, we got into the conversation about, you know, I, I, I played last night. I was in the band, blah, blah, blah. But it, it seemed to me like they flew him in, like uh, to say Cancun. He got on there and maybe played the show and then he got on an airplane at the next port and flew out. Is, is that kind of how it worked for you or did you have to do the whole duration of the trip? Yeah. So I, I was on a contract where I was kind of on the same ship for eight or nine months. So there's obviously the, like the guest entertainers who um, go from ship to ship bringing their particular show and they can kind of, they might only be on board for a, a day or two and then they're off somewhere else. But with us, with sort of within the production cast, we, yeah, we were kind of on that ship for the long haul, which was kind of nice because you don't have to run around like a crazy person trying to go from ship to ship. But at the same time, it was definitely, it was at the time one of my goals to be a guest entertainer, one of the people who I just came on board essentially as a guest did my shows and then left um got to kind of go somewhere else right and i had that kind of lined up but but unfortunately when i finished my last contract which was technically march 2020 
COVID hit. And so everything kind of went out the window, Right, had to try and get my way home. Um, and that was kind of my main focus. So yeah, everyone's kind of got a different journey. Yep and a different contract length and stuff like that. So, so, so is that literally like your, your contract was at nine months and you literally like got on a ship and stayed on the ship? Well, you didn't technically stay on the ship the whole time. You port, you, you got off at ports and stuff like that. But you literally went to work one day and you didn't come back home for nine months. Is that basically what it equated to? Yeah. Wow. Exactly. And I think the longest I was away was 10 months total. And that was two months rehearsal in Miami on land. And then, yeah. And then the, the rest of it on the ship. I have so to, I have to make an, an educated, <laughs> an educated assumption that to live that life, I, I don't think, would it be tough to be married and in a relationship and have kids i mean you you literally almost have to be a single person am i am i correct or am i way off base Uh, i definitely think you'd have to be single i yeah i don't i never was really in super serious relationships just because it was just too hard and i think if you are someone who wants to do ships it's it's helpful to have a partner who's a musician or a performer as well because then you can sometimes get on the same contract which is helpful but as far as trying to have you know a serious serious relationship on land like it's just too hard I, I think yeah. it would hurt you more than it would help you absolutely person, you know? well it would be like having a long distance relationship and those are never fun right those are those are pretty rugged well it seems like i had looked into maybe performing on one of the I don't remember which company it was, but maybe it was Royal Caribbean. I don't know. But don't you have to go to like, say, Miami and audition in person for those roles or or do they kind of do it by way of like video and stuff these days? Well, I guess when I was kind of into it, I don't 100% know now in terms of now since COVID, but when I... I auditioned, I was living in Melbourne in Australia um, when I auditioned for Royal. So there is, as a singer or as a performer, there's usually worldwide auditions in main cities um, that you can audition. As far as musicians, um, as far as I know, all the musicians that I've worked with have had an agent who was usually based out of Miami or somewhere in the States that would kind of get you or your band or your duo or whatever onto a ship. So that was the easiest way for them. Musicians, as far as I know, didn't have to audition. You might just send in a reel or. Sure. That makes sense. Mm. Now as a, as a singer and a guitar player, do you have a preference on, do you prefer to play and sing or do you prefer to sing only? Because I think that, you know, there's this thought process that you have to do. It's easier to do one thing than it is to do two things. So I didn't know if you had a preference because I know you play shows where you play the guitar and sing, but then you're also in productions where you only sing, you don't play an instrument. So does Lauren have a preference one way or the other? Yeah, to be honest, I'm definitely a a performing artist before I'm a guitarist, I would say. So I would. Lo- I feel freer. I feel like I can relax and really give 
some energy to what I'm doing if I am not behind a guitar. That makes sense. Um, I guess I kind of really picked up playing guitar and singing in the last like year or two, just so that I could keep singing and so that I could be versatile and I could kind of sing what I wanted, play what I wanted. I, I could move around and that's sort of been my thing recently. And it's, it's good because while theaters are not operating or they're getting shows canceled and whatnot left, right and center, there's always bar gigs and there's always people's private functions that they want to book you for. Right. And it helps to be in COVID times, at least here in New Zealand, it helps to be one person as opposed to two people or five people in a venue. So it's really been an asset to do that. Correct. But it's given me a lot of freedom and it's kept me singing and it's kept me connecting with other people through music in a live way Yeah, where I don't have to be on this massive stage or have a huge band behind me. I gotcha. Well, I, I think I, I had seen a couple of your videos and I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's a left-handed guitarist. But then I realized that the, the, it was the, it was the video because then I saw another, because I'm left, I'm not a left-handed guitar player, but I'm predominantly a left-handed person. And I'm yeah. like, Oh cool. Another lefty. Right. And then I'm like, and then I started looking and it's like, wait, why is she playing right hand? Wait, she's playing left-handed and that I'm confused. Okay. Is she right-handed or left-handed? So you're, you're a right-handed player, right? I am. Okay. Yes. I right. don't even think I would know where to start left-handed. <laughs> I'm not even a left-handed person. So, yeah, no, it's just a trick. It was the, yeah, it was the trickery of the camera. <laughs> Tell me and the listeners a little about, and you can correct me if I pronounce this wrong, uh, but your Levita project yeah, Lavetta. Lavetta. Okay. Can you yeah. can you share with me and the listeners what that project is? Yeah. So um, I've always, my whole life, wanted to release original music, and I wanted to do it in a way that separated what I do as a performer in my normal life as Lauren Marshall. So probably in the last year, I've since I've been back on land and established here, I've been able to kind of figure out what I want to do with it. And I kind of came up with Lavetta as as sort of like a reflection of a part of me, the part of me that you might not get to see when I'm playing a character on stage or singing someone else's music. So it's been a really cool journey. I've been working with my partner who's also my collaborator, who's also a brilliant guitarist and an excellent music producer. Funny story, we actually met on an ABBA tribute tour. Oh, really? And uh, ended up together, so that's our story. Um, yeah, so we've been working on music with Lavetta. It's I've been able to really channel a lot of different genres of music that people probably haven't heard from me. I definitely consider myself a a soul singer with with pop influences, bit of jazz, bit of funk. So I've been able to kind of put my vocal stamp on some of my own writing and my own music, which is definitely very influenced by, I love like the divas of the 60s and 70s. I love, you know, Edith James and I love, you know, people like that that have really just like raised me vocally mm-hmm. and bringing that style into 2021 being able to put in some, you know, some electronic music influences, some funk, some house, some, yeah, just basically put everything I love together in one 
and present myself as as me but as Lavetta. so it's been really exciting it's been such a heartwarming journey and very excited for my first feature and song release coming up so so it's almost like a fusion then i mean it's 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 you're pressing multiple yeah. multiple genres together now where did um is it all original stuff there's it's it's all original right yeah and and where did the name come from Oh, it's a funny story because I was after a name for a long time. I was trying to find something that I felt fit me. I wanted it to start with L because my name's Lauren and I just really like having the L letter. I don't know why. But basically, um, my my partner and my collaborator, his artist name is Wolfie, which is obviously like kind of got wolf-like connotations. And I was searching for different names. I was like, oh, I want an L and maybe something with love or something with, I don't know, something that sounds like really classy, but kind of mysterious. And I looked up, I found the word Levita and I looked at what it meant. And it meant um, a woman who was wolf-like, ironically. All right. Um, and, or something, you know, a female wolf or randomly. And I didn't even plan that word, like I like the word by itself already, but then I saw that it meant that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Considering like my partner's wolfy. So anyway, I just, it clicked into place and I just thought it was a really pretty name that had some really nice meaning behind it. And it felt just like, yeah, like an alias okay. that really matched me as a person as well. And so, and he was wolfy before you, before you knew him, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I wasn't trying to, you know, copy him or be like, oh, I'm attached to you and because of our names, but I just, it just like resonated with me because I, I love nature and I think wolves are beautiful. And I, oh, yeah. I love anything that is a strong, has a strong message and something I connect to. So, it worked out and people have given me compliments on it, um, on the name. So, and it's quite original. There doesn't seem to be really anyone else in the music industry called Levita or um, so it's quite exciting. I well, you're right. I, I haven't heard the the name either. So you're you're the original. <laughs> you're the OG is what they say, right? You're OG, the original, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's great, I'll take it. Yep. You currently have a new song that's out that's entitled love won't run away. And I'd like to share a clip of that song and then, you know, we'll share the song with the listeners and then we'll come back and chat a little bit about it. Fair enough. Sounds great. Great.
So I love the song, Lauren. And, and I was going to ask you about the song. Is this, was this recorded as a single or is it a song that's part of an EP or an LP that you're, that you worked on? Yeah. So this is actually a song that, um, that my collaborator, um, Wolfie wrote quite a while ago. He wrote for a female vocalist and kind of wanted to get the right voice for it. So I would consider I'm just more of a feature on the track um, and it's his song, which I believe is going to be released as part of an EP or a a two song EP in a little while. Um, So it really is just um, sort of my debut feature on, on a track and my own music project is, uh, is kind of in the works for next year. So this is just a nice introduction and kind of a nice way to, um, collaborate with with my partner, I guess. Right. And, Do you know what inspired the song, like the the lyrics in the song for him? Uh, did have you had those conversations? Can you share that with the listeners, or do you plead the yeah, fifth? Or okay, sure. Yeah. So um, I think it was always about um, a reflection of finding the person that you've always kind of been looking for, the person that really fit into your life perfectly and, and stayed around and wasn't, um, you know, I guess running away. And it's sort of, I guess the song itself is, it's a bit of a modern love song. If you could, and, and like a celebration of, of the one that you're with and how happy you are with them after sort of a journey of ups and downs and trying to find yourself and trying to find that person that really captures your heart and so, and I think both of us definitely, I mean, he wrote it, but I definitely connected with the song a lot personally as well. I've spent, yeah, so much of my life everywhere else in the world and kind of, you know, being here, there and everywhere. And, and it's hard to keep connections alive when you're living that sort of life. And since I've been able to ground myself back here in New Zealand and, and met him and, and things have been incredible it's sort of yeah it's definitely a celebration for both of us of how far we've come and our separate journeys to be where we are now together and able to create so um it's very exciting and it's just a special song for me to be able to release and put my vocal stamp on and was the uh was the song recorded there in new zealand or was it recorded somewhere else no, it was recorded uh, here in New Zealand, here in Christchurch. Um, uh, my partner's got a uh, his own studio here in town, so we recorded it there. It was earlier in the year, actually. It's been quite a while since we did record it, and, and the journey's kind of got us here to near the end of the year. So, yeah. You had mentioned earlier that you had spent some time in Melbourne, and mm. was it was it the, 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 I guess the, the career that took you to Melbourne, is that correct? Basically, yeah, I, um, I'd been working professionally here in New Zealand for a few years, um, since leaving drama school. And I kind of felt like there were a few kind of things that would, that were ending here in, in New Zealand that I, 
that kind of signaled me to go to Australia. And it was more of an instinct rather than I'm going to go over for X, Y, Z. It was like, I want to try somewhere new and I want to see what happens. So I just followed that really. And yeah, I auditioned, I was doing workshops. I was, you know, living the musician hustle life, working a million jobs and just trying to like be excited to be somewhere new. But yeah, I definitely went over there with the idea that I'd love to perform and I'd love to, original music wasn't really on like on the horizon at that very moment, but definitely there's a lot of theatre and things like that in Melbourne. But that's where I ended up auditioning, yeah, for cruise ships and that took me overseas from there. So that was obviously a reason I had to be in Melbourne. and For sure. And that kind of worked out. Do you feel like that you were... Do you feel like you were tapped out in New Zealand? Like, is that what led you to Melbourne? Like, were the, I guess, the the opportunities more fruitful there for you? Is that kind of why Melbourne? I, I, I wasn't sure mm-hmm. the underlying reason, you know, like, well, I think I've hit a wall here. I need to go there to to have more opportunity. Is that kind of the mindset? Yeah, definitely. I I mean, there are a lot of New Zealanders in Melbourne, a lot of people, a lot of performing artists um, went over there. I had friends over there. Yeah, I I guess the scene, the music scene here in New Zealand, particularly in theatre, is very small. And there really, especially at that time, there wasn't a lot of opportunities. You know, I'd auditioned for a few things and I I hadn't got them. And I was like, right, well, I can either stay in New Zealand and work, you know, a crappy job and just kind of wait for something to come up or I can go out and see what's in in Melbourne. And um, that's kind of just what I did. And I think that's just my personality. Like I sort of know when, when the right time is to stay and like really put in groundwork and put the seed, you know, plant the seeds. And I know when it's time for me to like go elsewhere and try something else. So yeah, that's kind of the story with Melbourne. Yeah. Now there were mm-hmm. there were three brothers in a band that came out of Australia that were probably the greatest singer songwriters on the planet. Can you name them? Three brothers. I don't know if I can. I love stumping my guest. <laughs> so you would know them as the BGs. Whoa. How did I not know they, that? I had no idea. That see, you learned funny. something you learned something new today. <laughs> Aren't you <laughs> glad so you're glad talking you to me? me. <laughs> <laughs> I love learning new things. Right. So that. so now if you're on the next wow. podcast and somebody asks you the same question, you're like, I know exactly who that is. Yes. <laughs> How long were you in Australia? Uh, I was in Australia for almost uh no, it would have been almost two years. Okay. Yeah. How would you say that New Zealand compares to Australia? I mean, they're all kind of over there in the same part of the globe, but like from a culture perspective and whatnot, like is there a big variation in, you know, Australian culture versus that of New Zealand culture? Uh, yes and no. In a lot of ways, we are just – you would almost just say like cousins, you know, we have kind of the same outlook on life, the same, uh, how would you call it? Yeah. We're super similar. There's just 
certain things that are, are very Australian and certain things that are very Kiwi. And I think sense. it's to do with particularly our like Māori influence here in New Zealand. Definitely there's things that, you know, in our Māori culture, whereas Australia doesn't have that. But to be fair, like, you can jump over to Australia. No one will know you're not Australian until you speak. And they'll go, oh, you're a Kiwi. Um, and that's about as far as it goes, really. Gotcha. Yeah, nothing too different. Yeah. Is there any plans or hopes of performing in the in the U.S.? Or is it is it mainly just, you know, my, my focus is heads down, we're going to do this thing in, in New Zealand and make it happen here. Maybe, maybe Australia will be introduced there or... What what does that crystal ball look like for Lauren Marshall? Like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where would you like to be? I would not like to be in New Zealand. I love it here, but I um, I feel like this section of my life is yeah, definitely putting in groundwork to ex- for something bigger, expand right? elsewhere. Yes. I've always wanted to, you know explore the States and my performing arts journey there. Um, Also the UK has always been on the list. Um, As I've taken this original music journey, I'm realizing that there is so much out there that's not just the States or the UK, there's Europe, there's like, you know, there's a place for you kind of wherever, wherever you choose to get into and, both my partner and I have definitely discussed uh, we want to go overseas kind of as soon as we can. We're a little bit limited here in New Zealand right now um, because of the COVID restrictions and things, but that's both of our plan. Uh, As much as I love New Zealand, it's a very small scene here. Okay. And I've always thought, I've always thought bigger. I've always had plans. Like I want my music to reach here and here and here. And, and, um, yeah, so that's gotcha. that is the plan uh, to to get out of here and and explore other places. That but there's not really a timeline for it at this point because just can't plan for anything. No, you you have to. Yeah, you have to just kind of play it by ear, right? It's sometimes mm-hmm. it's just better like that organically. You know, things happen organically sometimes. <laughs> you know, we talked about performing in the U.S. Like, have you ever sat and thought about? If I ever did get to the U.S., like where in the U.S. would I go? Like where where would I want to perform? Like has that ever entered your mind? Do you have a place in mind? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, California is probably my scene. I have spent, as I said, I've spent time in in like Florida, which is definitely a completely different vibe to the rest of the country. I've spent some time in New York. New York's not really my my scene. I'm not really a country artist. So there's places that I feel like are probably not right for me in that respect. Yep. I have spent a little bit of time in California. I, I guess like, yeah, somewhere in California would be my pick just overall with life, <laughs> with music and with performing and with the lifestyle and all of that. Yeah. Well, well, California. I mean, I, who knows? I don't really know. I've never actually lived in the States, so I right. can't really make big calls, but yeah. Well, the uh, California is beautiful. There's uh, there's no doubt. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities everywhere, I think, but um, I think it's just mm-hmm. 
where you want to where you want to call home i think you'll get the same the the same opportunities in california that you'd get in new york that you'd get in nashville that you'd get in you know it's just what fits your personality the best and certainly california is one of the most beautiful places in in the united states for sure and you know they're they're proud of land and homes there because it's it's so in demand you know everybody wants to live there uh, but, but for the for the sheer beauty of the of the state so i want to know more a little bit more about the secret the secret passion that you have of being an aspiring aerialist can you talk about oh that my gosh. <laughs> wow yeah okay well that's something that i got into while I was on ships because a lot of the shows have aerial elements. They'll have actual trained aerialists that do whatever, but sometimes the singers will end up, you know, being flown in or flown out or doing kind of being a part of it. And I kind of, on a couple of my contracts, I started training with, with the aerialists and found it was really fun and, get to climb ropes and, you know, use the Lyra and do all these different things. And I just really liked it. So I just tried it for a little while and yeah. And I found it was just great fitness. It was a great skill to have on your CV. Um, I haven't done any for a, a while now, probably like a year and a bit, but yeah, it was just a lot of fun. It was just another string to add to my bow to say, Oh, if you need, I can do, some basic aerial. Sure. And also there's a huge, um, you know, there's, there's a huge thing with companies like Cirque du Soleil and companies like that where they do actually sometimes want vocalists or people in their cast to be a part of the circus elements as well. Yes. Sort of tie in a little bit. So I always thought it was just, just a fun skill to have. That's kind of what I mean. I was I was putting two and two together because it seems like some of the productions that you've been in are very. Um, what word am I looking for? Cirque du Soleil ish that have yeah. that have the aerialist and and um, that type of thing. So I didn't know if that's kind of where the interest peaked from was being around that kind of thing. And it sounds like Definitely, that it was. Yeah. And, and yeah. do you like, I was reading something about aerialist and, and it's like you, you, they start out by getting a mentor. And I guess this mentor kind of teaches them the ropes of whatever it is that they're learning. And I didn't know if like, what was the extent of the, the aerialist training? Was it, was it pretty basic stuff that, that, that you were doing? Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm, I've never done, before that, I'd never done aerial before. Um, and there's a lot of like, I guess, basic skills that you kind of need to re- acquire before you can do certain other things. And with, with Royal Caribbean, when I was working with them, they had uh, sort of an aerial training program that they would do in the studios in Miami to sort of help, I guess, dance, transition some dancers into being able to do aerial as well. And they'd also like leave the sessions open for any other cast members who wanted to train and wanted to get strong and do some basics, have some basic skills. So that was sort of, I would just go to training with everyone else, um, you know, most five days a week in the morning. And then once you got on board, 
there were certain things that you had to be able to do to continue training with everyone else on the ship because it's sort of, you have to be certified for safety reasons. You have to have been approved to use certain apparatus and all those kind of things. So, um, but it was definitely very guided and there was definitely, it was nice that as a, as a vocalist, they kind of let me train and, and get involved as well. And yeah, it was just a good challenge for me. And there's no fear of the heights. Uh, I don't love heights, <laughs> but I never really had to do anything super high. I sure. mean, I had to sit on a on a hoop, on a lira quite high up, but I, I wasn't required to do, you know, any tricks or anything. Okay. So, yeah, it was there was nothing crazy yeah. from me. It's, it was just basic. It's, it's kind of it's it's an amazing thing. When growing up, I did some platform diving, uh, 10 meter platform diving. And it, it was not, it was not like competition diving or I'm not trying to say that mm-hmm. I was like some superstar diver. It was, it was more of a hobby, mm-hmm. but really where I'm going with this is that, you know, 10 meters, of course, around 33 feet, you know, I would do all these crazy things off of at, at this height. Right. And, and I find as the older I get, I don't want to be anywhere near that platform. I don't even want to look up at it. Like it's weird how the mind kind of tricks you as you get older. Like the things that didn't scare you as a kid frighten you to death now. And I would have never in a thousand years thought that I would ever say I was afraid of heights because it just never bothered me as a kid. So when you said an aerialist, I have no idea how old you are, nor is it even relevant, but it's just like, there's no way that you're going to like tote me up 30 feet above a stage somewhere and, and dangle me there and hope that I don't fall onto the stage. There's just no way that that's going to happen. Not at this, not at this stage of the game. Right. So kudos for you for having the guts to do such a thing. Yeah. A lot of people are just like, Oh, (laughs) um, yeah, it is, I mean, it's definitely not. For the uh, faint of heart. It's, it's scary. There is, I, it is scary. Yeah. Like, I will admit. Those, but, the yeah. performers are amazing though. You have to, uh, I take my hats off to those, the guys and girls that I've been to. I wouldn't say many, but I've been to my share of the Cirque du Soleil shows and the performers are absolutely breathtaking. Amazing. All of the things yeah. that they can do, the physical shape that they're in and. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's really amazing. Short of the things that we've kind of shared throughout the podcast, are there any other announcements coming out of the Lauren Marshall camp that the listeners should know about or that you'd like to share with them? Or it's just the very moment. Yeah. It's I'm really focusing on uh, the release of love won't run away with, um, with the Levita project. Um, I can't really announce anything else as such right now because everything that's lined up for next year is kind of waiting in the wings, but um, very excited to be releasing an EP next year with Lovetta. Um We're currently working on that right now, sort of in the, in the stages of putting different songs together and seeing how we like them. Um, so that's very exciting and that's going to, it's going to be my focus for next year. Um, but as far as this year, it, uh, I'm just... Just get through COVID. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just just making it through, I guess, the Christmas, like the holiday season, doing 
some gigging. Um, I'm doing a little bit of acting, a couple of um, uh, music video projects um, for some friends and, and yeah, just really finishing, wrapping up the year and then starting 2022 with a bang. That's sort yes. of where I'm at. Yep. Yeah. A fresh start for 2022. Well, I look forward to hearing the new stuff and uh, I certainly want to make sure the listeners know where to find uh, you and the project and all of the things that you're doing. So is there, you know, can you share with the listeners where they might be able to find you on social media? Of course. Um, so my, my main account is Lauren Marshall. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Lauren Marshall music. And as far as my, uh, my project with Lavetta, um, you can find that on Instagram at lavetta.music and Lavetta is spelt L O V E T A. You guys make sure to, to know through there. Yeah, you guys make sure that you follow and support and like and share and subscribe and do all of those ding the bell and whatever else that <laughs> that that uh, we as musicians and artists ask you guys to do with our social media sites. But if you have a couple of minutes Lauren, I have a couple of quick fire questions for you that I thought would be fun, and then we'll get you on to your day. Um, Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston? Whitney Houston, 100%. Yeah. And if you want, you can. Okay. I was going to say the, the, uh, the quick fire questions are normally like a, a single answer, but if there's any that you want to elaborate on, feel free. Like I, I have time. So if you want to tell the listeners why Whitney Houston, feel free to do that. I didn't want to like cut uh, you off or anything. So it's okay. For that particular question, I will say I used to listen to Whitney Houston's tapes. Like she was probably the first artist I ever listened to where I was obsessed with her voice and her sound and her music um, as far as pop music. So she's very special to me and it will always be Whitney. So I don't, I don't dislike Mariah. She's amazing as well, but Whitney is the original. (laughs) I went to Nashville. um, I don't even remember what year it was, maybe 2007, seven ish, I think. And and recorded with a friend of mine on music row there in Nashville. And we were at a, I think it was a PF Chang's having dinner one night and and don't and don't quote me on the date because I'm horrible with dates. If you listen to a podcast, I probably say that a million times. Like I'm the worst date person. I can't rem- I can't correlate dates in my brain. But we were eating at PF Chang's and like two tables over, Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston were eating in the same restaurant. Wow. So that that's the closest that I've ever been to Whitney that's Houston. That's crazy. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You never know who you're going to run into in Nashville though. You know, those people are everywhere. The the celebrities are everywhere in, in Nashville. Do you have a favorite genre of music? If you had to pick a genre, what would it be for Lauren Marshall? Probably soul music, but it kind of covers everything. It's where my heart is. Yeah. yeah. So were you, did you like the Motown stuff, the earth, wind and fire, the, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. the old Motown stuff. I love that stuff too. Motown is definitely. The funk, uh, funk R&B. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Are you a summer or winter girl? Summer. Definitely summer. <laughs> How about TV or radio? I don't listen to radio much these days, but I also don't really watch TV. So. I mean, I don't know what, what really I can pick. 
<laughs> you can say neither. <laughs> I mean, neither? There's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. There's no wrong. You're not getting a grade on this, right? So whatever answer you give is a perfectly fine answer. I don't, I don't even, I shut cable off in my house two years ago. Like I don't, I don't have cable TV. I don't have time for cable TV. Working a full-time job. At one time I was playing 130 shows a year. And then the mm-hmm. podcast is just, it's like a, it's such a time suck. Like all the editing, the interviews, getting the artist on. I had no idea when I started this, how, you know, entailed and how much time it was going to take. So mm-hmm. who, I mean, who has time for the radio or TV? So, right. Yeah. What about a perfect vacation for you? Do you have one in mind? I do. And it would be somewhere very tropical by the beach. I've always wanted to go like to the Maldives or somewhere like that. Somewhere where I can sit by the beach. I can um, get inspired by where I am and honestly just really relax and do unwind. Because I, I find it really hard to do nothing. I'm not very good. <laughs> I'm horrible at that <laughs> I too. I have to force myself. <laughs> yeah. I think you could probably tell by the things that I just listed that I do. Work full time, podcast, do this. I don't like sitting idle is not what I do well. So mm-hmm. we're probably wired the same there. Are you a stay in or a go out kind of girl? Uh, I used to be a go out kind of girl, but nowadays when i go out i'm playing a gig so i stay in yep. <laughs> if i can help it sure sure and are you a early bird or a night owl 100 percent night owl are you yes i do not do mornings <laughs> i've tried my whole life to be a morning person and it doesn't agree with me so that's interesting and and i would say that i'm the polar opposite of that some some mornings like on the weekends i'll find myself uh, here in my studio that you can see um, editing shows at five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning. It's just when my brain is fresh. Like there's something mm-hmm. about the nighttime when it's, I look outside and it's dark, that my brain just goes into the shutdown mode. Like it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's getting close to bedtime. And I, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird, yeah. but I'm kind of the polar opposite there of, of the early bird or the night owl, I should say. <laughs> so we're all so different eh? like it, it's crazy but yeah if you work say hey? <laughs> exactly if you had your choice and you got to pick where would you like to call home like this is not career related this is just strictly this is where i want to live mm. do you know what hawaii okay uh, tying it, it back to the beach thing here, yeah. yeah yeah i I went there on my my most recent ship contract and I just was like, this is great. I love this. I love that there's an island energy that sort of has a resemblance to New Zealand or the Pacific Islands here and and it's just beaches. And I, I met a couple um, actually on one of my ships who um, the lady was American and her husband was from New Zealand and they owned a mango farm in Maui. And I thought, wow. wow, I'd love to own a mango farm <laughs> sure. in Maui. Like, what a dream. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that kind of is something in my head. I think I'd be really creatively inspired there. How could you not? I, I mean, it's a beautiful place. Like, how could you not be inspired? I want a trip there um, with my full-time, my career job um, mm-hmm. some years back. And, and I 
I took my wife and my mom and dad to, we went to Oahu and spent mm. um, time in, you know, Honolulu and uh, the North Shore, Waimea Bay, but never made it over to Maui. But what a beautiful place. I know that that, that island's probably a little more commercial than, than Maui. I think the, the raw beauty of Hawaii is probably more so Maui than, than Oahu, but they're all beautiful mm-hmm. nonetheless. Yeah. yeah, totally. Do you have a favorite song to play live when, when Lauren goes and sits down on the stool with the guitar? Is there all, is there that one song that you just, you can't wait to get to, to play at your shows or is it, I didn't know if for, for a performer, if there was one like that for you. <sighs> Yeah, so there's probably a couple. So I, I play a couple of songs in my set by Amy Winehouse and they are always like, they have to be done. I have to sing Amy Winehouse in my gigs. It's just like a non-negotiable. So either Back to Black or You Know That I'm No Good, okay. either of those songs um, I love to play. And then most recently uh, it's been randomly I heard it through the grapevine. I've really loved playing Um, and people really enjoy it. And I feel like I can go like full soul in that song. So like this, is this the same like Credence Clearwater revival? I heard it through the grapevine or is this, oh, you're talking about Amy, Amy Winehouse did a song entitled that no no no. this this is yeah like i guess you know marvin gay slash slash oh yeah sure like fusion okay um, yeah version but yeah i've really been playing that um but definitely amy winehouse is very special for me because yeah yeah, she's she's a huge inspiration and i want to keep her music alive and i feel her music a lot so yeah i think I, i i heard or read something you had cited her as a, a major influence for you. Yeah. As it relates to the guitar, is is there any formal training with the guitar or is it just play by ear? Um, I did take lessons for a while in high school. Um, and then I kind of stopped when I left high school and I didn't play guitar for like a good five or six years. And then, I kind of picked it, I'd kind of played it on and off and I picked it back up maybe two or three years ago and sort of just used the knowledge I had to make it work for me. Um, I wouldn't call myself like a guitarist, sure. but I've certainly, yeah, I've become more comfortable and accustomed to it, especially when it comes to accompanying myself. Okay. But yeah, so it, it wasn't completely self-taught, but. I've definitely put in a lot of my personal musical knowledge into it. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of the people that I asked that question of it's, it's a hybrid, you know, they, they mm. play by ear and, you know, some of them are prof- professionally trained, I guess. So yeah. uh, hybrid yeah. hybrids, a great answer as well. Um, would you say that there's a, like a, a number one, influential musician or even a band that is just the end all be all for you there's definitely not one not not one one single no i i couldn't there's so many and it may and for me i love stuff from so many different genres and i'll just kind of go through maybe like my favorite 
20 artists and yeah. just go around and around and around. But I'm also finding new stuff all the time that really, really inspires me. So I, yeah, I could never say one one particular band. That's a tough question. That's like saying, what's the greatest song ever written? Like, I mean, how do you, how do you even, it's a fun question to ponder, but there, there's no, again, there's no right or wrong answer behind it, (laughs) but I want, I want to thank you for being on the show and for all the correspondence leading up to this. I know your time's valuable, but it's been an amazing chat with you. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for, thanks for, for reaching out to chat to me. I'm really honored. It's, it's my great. it's my pleasure. And I ask the listeners to like, share and subscribe to the podcast and also make sure that you follow Lauren on all of her social media outlets. I don't think I don't remember if you mentioned this Lauren, uh, but you also have a website called laurenannmarshall.com. So, so I'm helping Lauren out. Remember all of her social media platforms and and in all fairness, I can't remember all mine half the time either. So, uh, anyway, make sure that you guys follow and, um, be on the lookout for new projects for, from Lauren. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and remind you that you can follow the show on Facebook at backstage pass radio podcast on Instagram at backstage pass radio Twitter at Backstage Pass PC and on the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. You guys stay safe and healthy and thank you again for tuning in to Backstage Pass Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. Also, make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio. Backstage Pass Radio.